Hi everyone and welcome to another episode from The Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie and I'm joined here today by my excellent friend Kirsten Mills. Hi Kirsten. Hello, thank you for having me again. No worries at all. And Kirsten is with me today in the podcasting studio, which is a bit hot and sweaty today, <laughs> um, to talk about the latest in gothic fun, because Kirsten is a gothic scholar, and that latest bit of gothic fun is the new adaptation of Dracula, which just was unleashed on the world um, on Netflix in January 2020. So, Kirsten, we've both seen the whole series and I know we both have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Do you want to kick us off? What did you think of... I mean, we might go through the episodes in, in sort of order mm. and talk yeah. about the series as a whole as well, but um, what did you think of particularly the first episode of this new Dracula um. Okay, so I mean, obviously, the, so uh, this is a good approach because the episodes are very different from each other, and I felt like each one almost approached a different angle to gothic horror. Yes, um, it, this becomes obvious with the third yes. you know, episode, and obviously, you know, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. Yes, we, we should say that we are going to spoil it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, the first episode was, um, in some ways, the most truthful to the source text. Yes. Um, I'm not using that necessarily as a barometer of quality. I don't think Dracula is one of those texts that necessarily has to be true to the novel. Mm -hmm. um, it's Obviously, it's one of those texts that has a huge history of adaptation, and each adaptation has added to our lore. Um, you know, so the, you know, the familiar idea that Dracula can't go in the sunlight comes from one of the film adaptations. Um, I think it was Nosferatu. So we don't. So so each film, filmic uh, sort of adaptation or television series or even comics and novels, mm. um, these are all sort of adapting and adding to the law. So I don't think any of them are actually extremely faithful mm. to that original. So something about Dracula is that he can be um, interpreted, I guess, into new contexts, and that's something that Stoker was doing in the first place with his original novel. He did a huge amount of research, and he's basically picking and choosing from all of this sort of folklore um, and translating it into the modern context. Mm -hmm. So for him it was a very contemporary, late Victorian context, and that was something that was very special about the novel was that it started in that the classic, exotic, other, mm -hmm. um, sort of regressive uh, society and then moved into Victorian London, and so that was um, bringing it home. And it sort of becomes about, like, train timetables. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It becomes about <laughs> modern technology, and that's sort of... It's, so that's something that I think it works well with adaptation because we can constantly re-adapt it to our, mm. our modern contexts um, and in doing so still retain something of the flavour yeah. and the spirit and the intention of the original novel. That said, um, I think there are... Um, there, there are it, uh, basically it just brings in a whole lot of variables, I guess, um, mm. which also involves um, a lot more room for doing things well or for maybe veering a little outside whatever bounds you think should be around a, a genre or a text or an approach. And this is when you start mixing genres and when you start drawing from multiple different adaptations. Um, I think you've got to be very careful to draw your own boundaries very clearly. So set yeah. the rules for your text. Um, establish the world and try not to view too much out of that. And I felt one thing this series did was play very freely with its own boundaries. Yes. And we <laughs> we see this even just in terms of the temporal disparity between the first and the, the last episodes, which, um, I don't know, again, opens up some, some room for a questioning mm. what's going on. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. Mm. Um, but as far as the first episode... 
Uh, so this is the one that deals the most closely with the novel in some ways, mm. um, but again treats it very differently. So we have the introduction of um, the undead in, in the form of kind of zombie-like creatures, which again sort of brings in a very non-canon. Yeah, yeah non-canon. You know, yeah. yeah, so this isn't the Dracula that we sort of think and know of, and certainly not when it comes to Jonathan Harker, yes. who gets dispatched <laughs> yes. within that first episode. Yes, and it seems like it's going to be, you know, book opens to Jonathan Harker at, at, um, at yeah. in Transylvania. But, um, yes, this this is very different, isn't it? <laughs> it's very different. Yeah, so we, we get enough, we get a little bit um, of what, what we know and love. We get the the beautiful castle. So it's filmed at the same castle where they filmed um, Nosferatu. Right. Um, which is a lovely actually. little, yeah. yeah so, and that's one thing I loved about this adaptation um, overall the um the level of, of playing with intertextuality and mm. homage to um especially adaptations in some ways i think this is more of an adaptation of other adaptations yeah, than agree. it is mm. of the novel yeah which makes it fun so yeah. it's very self-conscious in the way it's playing with what's been done before and how we can tweak this and play with expectations um so you know so we get things like that beautiful castle and we get the bats Yes. Um, we get the carriage ride. Um, and even from the get-go there, I think that beautiful scene where um, Jonathan gets out of the, the carriage and he's standing in the snow and he's looking around mm. um, and someone's holding a cross up towards his back and it almost looks like someone's warding off Dracula with yeah. that cross. And that's yeah. the first moment, I think, where you get that distinct doubling between him, him and Dracula, and Dracula yeah. which continues on throughout the show. I thought that was done quite well. Mm. Um, obviously, we, we also depart quite a lot um in in his own story um so within the castle but there are so many elements i feel like mm. i'm just going to keep going on so if you want to no, 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 no. stop me at any point <laughs> um the I, I love okay so if we're just going to go chronologically so sort of, i loved the inside of the castle i thought that was done beautifully yes and we see when we when we meet dracula and he's this old, old man yeah old man the i just I, I did have to laugh at this sort of the accent yeah you know, it was it was one step from advanced to suck your yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, and there's just the voice. I don't know. Um, you know that compare the the market ads with the yeah, music. Yeah. It sounded. Yeah, I, I, I just kept expecting him to say simples. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded the same to me. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that after I watched it. Right. Otherwise, I would have been simples. So yeah. So there was an in some ways there was an element of the ridiculous that yeah. held me back I think and just how corporeal he was um, you know in the novel a good part of the creepiness in those first parts is that Dracula isn't there for much of it he pops in and pops out and there's a real mystique around him we don't really know what he is Yeah. and I think obviously these days we know it's a, it, we know it's a Dracula taste yeah. we know what Dracula is we know what Jonathan's walking into in that castle so it is hard to sort of maintain that same level of mystique mm. but um Maybe I, I just would have liked a little bit more mystery around him for a little bit longer. Yeah, and it was, like, so obvious that he was a vampire. From, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, obviously we know he's a vampire, but, like, it was just... Jonathan Harker was confused by what he was for sort of too long, you know? Like, it's he's, a vampire, yeah. clearly. Yes. Like, he looks better the day the day after he sees him, he starts getting younger. Yeah. I'm like, what do you think's going on today? You know? <laughs> like, this is not normal. You yeah. Um, so, I mean, in some ways, I, I liked the... What I think this this show does well is take gothic elements or, or elements from other gothic yeah. styles and incorporate them into the Dracula mythology. Um, so one thing that's true to the original is that sense of being stuck in this labyrinthine castle and not being able to get out. Mm. Um, that's done 
quite well. And I like the element of um, introducing the hidden maps, mm, um, which is another yes. gothic trope, that found yeah. text, the maps, um, although it leads him right back to where he found the damn map after yeah, going through the whole castle. <laughs> um, so, you know. Um, but I thought that was done done nicely. Yeah, I quite liked I actually think that the first episode was my favourite of the three. Um, I can't decide. Yeah, no, I think it it just it, it sort of hewed closer to Dracula, which is not necessarily, as you said, the kind of barometer of whether it's good or not. But um, it was sort of more recognisably Dracula, and I liked mm. the kind of yeah, as you said, the voice at the beginning was ridiculous. But as he becomes more <laughs> English, as he starts feeding, and he gets younger, I found that that performance really worked for me. Yes. And he's he's kind of funny. That, yeah, and I think Claire Spang did a really good job yeah. with Dracula. And he, he is very funny. He's meant to be um, sort of wryly self-aware. Yeah, he is. Of he's the f- ridiculousness of being a vampire in some ways. Yeah, and he has, <laughs> yeah, he has some good lines. Like, you know, yeah. he, like I've always loved a bit of fur. and You know, like he's just got this like... I don't drink blood. Yeah. <laughs> no, wine. Yeah. I don't drink wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just got this like real... He's he's charming, yeah, and he's funny and he's witty and mm. um, yes, he is a vampire so, yeah. as well. But yeah. that's what it's always supposed to be like that. You know, vampires have that sex appeal to them, yeah, um, which has been part of the the legends forever. So um, yeah, I, I really liked that first episode. There were some problematic parts to it though, mm. and that problem I'm thinking of Mina. Mina was the saddest part of the whole series yeah. for me. Yeah. She is one of the best parts of the novel. Yes. And one of the only parts of the novel that addresses women in a remotely yes. satisfactory way. Yes. And just to see her utterly reduced um, in this in this series altogether. She only really appears in episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, she's, and she's just a scared woman. She's a scared woman with a bad wig. And yes. she's just crying and screaming. And later on in episode three, Dracula refers to her as an insipid little thing. Which is not Mina in the book That's at all. not Mina in the book at and all. And half of Jonathan, what Jonathan Harker does in the series is what Mina does in the book. Mm. And that just, to me... It just gave the cool parts of Mina... Yeah, to Jonathan to Harker. Jonathan. And in some ways... So obviously the person we haven't yet mentioned... The, the coolest character in the whole thing. Yeah. Sister, Sister Agatha. Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> Who obviously, you know, is, is Van, Helsing. Van Helsing. So yeah. that translation of Van Helsing into um, not only a woman, but a nun, um, and Sister Agatha as a, as a bold and brash personality. She was absolutely was wonderful. An unhappy relationship with God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like many of um, unhappy marriage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just for a roof over her yeah. head. Yeah. Um, so that was really done, really well done, I thought. Um, it was a really interesting choice, and she was such a cool character. Mm. But it also just, you know, it, I think that's part of the reason why Mina was reduced so much. It's yes. almost as if they cannot have two strong women. I know. We have to have, in order to make to make Sister Agatha, Sister Agatha, we have to just make every other woman. And, and we'll talk about women. Lucy in, in episode yes, three. absolutely. Um, but, yeah, we have to make every other woman ridiculous in order to make Sister Agatha cool. That's what was sad. It's, yeah, it's this inability, um, this, you know, that kind of idea that, 
to be on par with the cool, adventurous men around her. Mm. A woman has to be. And this, the novel does this too. You know, Stoker talks about, um, well, Van Helsing refers to Mina as having a, a man's brain. Mm. So in some ways it's following on from that. But hello, like we're not, yeah. not the whole point of this is, is to adapt it to the you know, yeah, modern that's right. sensibilities. Exactly. So we don't have to replicate the general sexism. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't, you're, you're quite right. You know, if you're going to make a choice like turning Van Helsing into a woman, then just don't, you know, be weird about it. Just do it. And <laughs> just be, do just it. <laughs> own it. Just own that. You know, this yeah. is a modern interpretation. This is an interpretation that is made for 2020. Mm. Therefore, don't feel like, I don't know, that you have to make all these comments about how she has a man's brain or whatever. And don't make the other women ciphers. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, we, we really do need to start moving beyond. And I think culturally we are starting to become yeah. aware of this as a trope, this idea that of the, the cool girl as somehow different from all the other girls. Yeah. That's not cool yeah. anymore. No. You know, I think that's, you know, so we've talked before about um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. Things like that is really about this sort of rising of, of sisterhood and this sense yeah. that more than one girl can be cool at one time. Yes, that's right. Because, <laughs> you know, we have a, have a, a wide range of um, interesting complex male characters in a show mm. and we need to just share that around a little bit because yeah, so that's it's like right. the real world basically yeah exactly and i mean if you're going to do this kind of project which is a very as you say i agree it's it's an adaptation that seems to be during in a lot of uh, material from other adaptations just again just own it and, and make it really explicitly modern i don't necessarily mean have a modern setting but just have a a story that reflects Mm. the world for which it's written because you know again as you said dracula is the kind of text that can be interpreted and over and interpreted and interpreted over and over and over again through mm. different contexts so just make it for our context yeah and i just i'm not surprised because stephen moffat who um and mark Gaddis, who wrote the um adaptation have done various things before like the sherlock um mm. adaptation and they did doctor who and they've always seemed to have a problem with with women mm. um and drawing up drawing really interesting women characters and you know they they are capable of, of writing strong women yeah we, we have them we have there. them yeah. yeah i mean even like in sherlock we have irene adler and all of that mm. but um we don't seem to be able to to get past that idea of like well there's one special woman and then there's a bunch of like silly little girls <laughs> exactly yeah which is very tiresome because this story is great and why can't all of the other women be great? Why couldn't we have had a more interesting Mina? Mm. Why couldn't we have had a better Lucy? Why couldn't we have had a character who can... More characters who can really match wits with, with Dracula? Well, that's a thing. So one thing this, um, this show seemed to be trying to do was to definitely set up it as a battle of wits yeah. uh, between Agatha. You know, Agatha and Dracula. And obviously, you know, we have the somewhat on-the-nose symbolism of this when they're playing chess yes <laughs> we, we get yeah 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 What's time immemorial how to show that you're in a battle with somebody yeah. make them play chess um yeah. so in, in a way so that's what they're trying to do um maybe they felt they couldn't replicate the novels essentially what it's based around teamwork um, yes you know, they join together to, a lot of them yeah. yeah and they've combined their different skills and Mina is a huge part of that mm. um so that's obviously been scrapped perhaps to advance this cat and mouse game of the mm. and, and maybe this comes from the familiarity with the sherlock yeah it's like sherlock you know, moriarty exactly yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> i don't know i mean so agatha as a character was was really cool just in her own right i loved her many of her one-liners yes she was a queen um, of one-liners she, yeah. i loved it when she was saying to 
um, Jonathan, you're an Englishman, a combination of presumptions beyond compare. (laughs) (laughs) And her delivery of those lines was just so crisp and perfect. Yeah, so she was wonderful. Um, So as far as... As far as that first episode, I thought um, it did pretty well. Mm. I thought we we veered into the ridiculous when we start getting all the nuns with their crosses and stakes, um, you know, at the, with Dracula at the gates, um, and he's, you know, we've got a lot of body horror then. We've got yeah. blood and gore, and he's peeling himself out of the skin of a wolf. And um, the beheading. Oh. Beheadings. You know, I had the problem with beheadings. I was like, oh, and I wasn't expecting it at all, and all of a sudden she had no head, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we knew something was going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. this. A, a quiet scene and they're praying what could possibly happen you know yeah. <laughs> I did love the fact that she opened the gate and she didn't know whether that rule about them not being able to come in was going to hold or not but she opened it anyway he's like yeah. why did you do that I'm like, she's yeah. like well I figured you could get in the gate anyway <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, what I liked about her was her um, and this kind of replicates that interest in science and logical thinking um, in the original novel. So mm. she's got this really scientific approach to trying to work out Dracula, mm. to try and decipher what is just folklore, what's real, and why. She constantly says, you know, it doesn't make sense, but that's just the way it happens. Or she, I know it sounds mm. ridiculous, but mm. he can't, you know, pass all these, yeah, know, these pieces of yeah. the Bible nailed to the ship deck and things yeah. like that. Mm. Um, so she's aware of how silly it is because she's investigating, and I liked yeah. that detective element. Yeah. Um, she's very much framed as the detective. Yeah. Yeah. And she's interrogating in the first, you know, yeah. with the scenes with Jonathan Harker. She's, you know, it's a police procedural. Then, yeah. You know, she's saying, tell me this, what happened then? Fill in the yeah. blanks. Actually, that's one thing. One other thing I liked was that opening. Um, so we're in the convent. We know that clearly just by looking at Jonathan yeah, Harker. He's had a bad month. He has had a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's looking 50 years older than he yeah. did one month ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we know that this is post his experience. Mm. You know, and so this happens um, in the novel as well. We get sort of this retrospective mm. recounts, and that's what I like. So the novel is very much about let's write this down, and then we all share and read. And so about it's documentation, about documentation, yeah. yeah, and communication. In some ways, this is replicating that. I liked that storytelling element. Yeah, but it also allows for um, a, a very clear signalling at the beginning that we're here's the text, and it's right there in front of him. All these pages. We find out later that it's just. You know, Renfield-esque repetition. Yeah, I love Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but as far as we know up until that point, here's the text. For all we know, it's basically almost the text of the novel. It's sitting right there. And then she says, right, tell me what's not in here. Yeah. So that's the point. Um, the series is going, right, there's the novel, and then there's the stuff around that, you mm. know, we're imagining into these gaps. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, Sister Agatha also says, basically, tell me straight, did you have sexual intercourse with Dracula? Mm. We know that's a departure. Yeah, and that's very early. And it kind of wakes you up. You're like, what? Okay, yeah, Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. On that note, um, so obviously, you know, uh, sexuality, sensuality um, has been a big part of the vampire narratives. It's not, um, they're not strictly heterosexual from the get go. They have always been um, either bisexual or, you know, in the case of. Uh, Camilla, yeah, lesbian. Yeah. yeah, so we have a lot of um, a lot of really interesting discourses surrounding vampires um, and sexuality, and kind of like a freedom, mm. I guess, from norms so traditional um, approaches or um, norms, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was interesting. However, 
I think it also, when it's combined with the idea of contagion, yes, is really problematic. Yes, and especially since the way it's framed where they think they're sleeping with their yeah. partners and then that means like we have a bit of a sexy times with Mina and it's not Mina. And, it's just, and then it's Dracula yeah. which invites questions of, of rape, which is, again, yeah. not outside the it's not outside. mythology. Yeah, but if you're going to do... If you're gonna go, okay, well vampirism has always had elements of queerness, don't I didn't think it was necessary to mix it up with that. No, and it was in it was specifically framed as a horrible experience. Yeah, now, this is something that Carmilla didn't do. It was meant to be sensual and des- the thing about sexy vampires is they're supposed to be desirable. Yeah, that's right. So this was very much so in their mind when when they're having their dreams, so that when their blood is being consumed by Dracula, they go into a dream space, they think they're having sex with the person they desire, their partner or whoever else, suddenly it flashes into it's Dracula mm. and that's the moment at which they recoil. They and start it's yeah, they start screaming. Yeah. Which is not what that's what the, makes yeah. it slightly problematic. Yeah. Which I found surprising. Yeah, I found that surprising too. I I, I noticed that um, Moffat said something about how Dracula wasn't bisexual; he was bi-homicidal. Yes, and I'm like, just it feels it, yeah, it yeah. felt a bit no homo to me. Exactly. And like, why do we have to do that in this day and age? So yeah, so I think this is where um, um, people have had some valid claims or criticism of, of this series for its queer baiting. Yeah, you know, here we go. Let's put some elements in, but we're not going to cross the line. Don't worry, it's all yeah. completely heterosexual. Yeah, it's you know, I, I and, it's and, and the you queer elements are horror. Yeah. yeah, that's right. There's no positive representation. Yeah, of it's queerness. like. Yeah, that's right. When you wake up and you realise that you're having this queer experience, you're like, oh, this is the worst thing possible. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, yeah. yeah. And, it, and the music indicates that it's meant to be taken yes. as, a, as a horrible experience as well. And then, obviously, you know, like I mentioned, that discourse of contagion, um, of, mm. of the undead being kind of a disease that's passed on through the sucking of the blood, which is the queer element because it's mm. attached to the sexuality. You know, obvious the obvious parallels are with, you know, um, HIV and things yeah. like that. And I think this is something that's, um, it's kind of like the show is almost aware of it, but it doesn't want to say it. So later yeah. on, you know, in the modern day episode, the third episode, um, when the Jonathan Harker Foundation is sort of like a medical research facility, mm. which again, like they're researching this sort of um, state of being undead and how to deal with its contagion that's mm. sort of become a, a problem in the modern day. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's come back to the third one and yeah. deal with the second one before then, because mm. yeah, the third one's all sorts of messy. All sorts of messy. Um, <laughs> okay. All um, right. So the yeah. second one is on a ship, and this is Dracula basically chomping his way through all of the people, well, not all of the people, but a lot of people on the ship, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, in order to gain their abilities that mm. he finds useful. Um, I quite liked this episode. I quite liked it too. As a as a whole, I mean, much like my approach to the series overall, I think I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I have some issues. Yeah, I had some issues too. What were your issues? Well, I mean, the thing I liked about it was the, again, different kind of gothic. Yes. We're on a ship. Again, it's much like the castle. It's some, it's something you cannot escape from. You are mm-hmm. trapped there. So, again, we've just shifted location. We're now trapped on a ship with something. Um, in a way, that's scary. So, who's he going to kill next? Except that as a whodunit. Yeah. We know who's doing it. Yeah. So the mystery element isn't there at all. I find with Moffat stuff, 
that it starts with a really cool concept and then it sort of falls apart in execution. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about this episode, this particular, I mean, maybe the series as a whole, but in this particular episode, I was like, oh, cool, they're on a ship. He's going to be this mysterious, you know, creature mm. who gets up to all sorts of mischief. And he does, but then it all just sort of gets a bit messy and pointless. Like he just easily sort of kills whoever he wants and we know who's doing it. And so I was like, okay, you're going to get killed, you're going to get killed, and you're going to get killed, and so it comes to pass. Yeah, the episode really could have been done in about 10 minutes of him just yeah. massacring everybody. Yeah, like, it's it's very clear who he wants to murder, because he's sort of sweet-talking them. And then he murders them. Mm. And so, and it was pretty obvious, I think, who was in Cabin 9, which was Agatha. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, in the end, I didn't get it. So it started out really good for me, but... And I think I did quite like it, but it just sort of got a bit muddled. Yeah. I, I liked the element of... Um, so obviously, you would talk a bit about the, the chess game itself. I liked the fact that it was based around a dialogue. And now, instead of Jonathan Harker telling his story, now it's Dracula yeah, telling she's his going story. To the source, yeah. And explaining to um, Agatha what's happening so that she can come into an awareness of her present moment. So playing with consciousness in that way of... of being at multiple levels, having gaps in your con- in your memory that are then mm. filled in by narrative, and then you kind of get this weird experience of coming into the present moment. In a way, I like that it kind of mirrors what the series does with bringing it up to the present time. Um, so I, I liked that part. I also loved the reference to um, so Lord Ruthven. Yes. You know, obviously, you know, Polidori's the yeah, vampire is one of yeah. the. Um, predecessors, I guess. Lots of Dracula. little Easter eggs for, for all the Gothic fans Lots out there. Lots of Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. Although, again, I have to say that... So he was a gay man mm. who is the only one who seems to willingly want to align himself with Dracula because he seems to have a, a sort of sexual attraction to him. <laughs> that felt almost... Mm. I want to say homophobic in a way. I, yeah. mean, I don't think the creators of this are doing it with that intention. Yeah, I don't think. I think, but the think, result comes across that yeah, way in I, a little, in a bit. I think they want to be almost congratulated for this stuff, and then it doesn't work. It does, yeah. which makes it worse. It's because of what happens to these characters. So yeah. Ruthven is um, he's attracted to Dracula. He chooses to um, align with him, and then his his. Uh, reward basically is dying yeah in a horrendous way like it's not yeah do you know what i mean it's like it's like he's being punished yeah it's yeah and he also he also knows what dracula is by that stage he desires to become like him he desires to become monstrous and that's a thing that's always there in a lot of vampire mythology the idea of you know the desire to be to transcend to not be Mm. to be you know immortal Mm. but yeah it it is, the way that it's handled is, yeah, I agree. It made me uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, I think it's just because of the choice of who does it. Yeah. Um, he was the only one. Um, so obviously, you know, in the third one, we get to Lucy. Mm. We'll talk about her in a minute. She she sort of does it, but in a different sort of a way. Um, but again, is is treated in a similar way, mm. I think, but for different reasons. Because, you know, not because she's a, a woman, essentially, I think. Yeah, and I think it's it's problematic to have these characters that are associated with sexuality and then punish them mm. for that sexuality yeah. in a text like Dracula, which is yes. 
the whole point of it, like the vampiric act of biting and sucking the blood is yeah. obviously sexual. Yeah. And then to get all this like prudish kind of, oh, well, she had sex, so she has to die, or he had clear desires, and so he has to die. Right, that's that's exactly in a nutshell yeah. my problem with it. And, I, you know, to, to return to the first episode, that's one thing I found lacking from um, the castle scenes. We have one of Dracula's brides in there. Yeah. I wanted more. You know, there were yeah. meant to be the three of them. They're meant to be a lot more spooky, a lot and less she was helpless. Only, yeah, she was only there for a very short amount of time. Very short amount of time. Yeah. And she was essentially a prisoner. She was just a creepy prisoner who ate babies. Yeah. Which, again, this kind of, like, anti-maternal, yeah. like... Um, I just, you know, in the novel, I think they are one of the wonderful, creepy elements. You know, oh, yeah. specks of glowing light coming in the yeah, window. Yeah, they're the best part, it's I think. It's a slow yeah. burn, that part, and I think that's part of the horror is watching it come alive in that sense. That That's very visceral in this mm. in this series, and it's it's moved over quite quickly, and we only have one of them, mm. you know, and the rest of the, the zombie people are, you know, expired yeah. brides. Um, you know, that, that was a bit messy. Mm. Um, so as far as like that sort of thing, I, I would have liked a little more of those brides because, you know, to, to return to what we we're talking about, about vampiric sort of sexuality and a bit more freedom around that, that's kind of what they were. They were, yeah. um, in, you know, in some ways so for Stoker to deal with concepts like the new woman, yes. um, you know, so this is dealing with women who are finding a new sense of freedom um, economically, socially, sexually, intellectually, like the whole shebang, mm. they're kind of a lot more free. Yeah, and that's so right. Exactly. Along comes the, you know, the, this female vampire who was already existing, we've, you know, talked about with Camilla and things like that. She becomes a perfect sort of metaphor yeah. for both the freedoms, the beauties, but also the, the terror that and some the, people yeah, felt around these the ideas. The danger as well as the yeah. capacities, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so to have. I think that translates well these days. Yeah, that's it can be a perfect metaphor for women these days. Yeah, yeah. and I think to have that reduced, like we were saying, um, mm. I think a lot of the women in this, vampiric or otherwise, were reduced to kind of stock powerless figures. And that's what's interesting now, I just sort of put two and two together, that Sister Agatha's a nun. Yeah. Because she's not sexual. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Moffat. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, yeah, he's so he's so weird about women and sex. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like of course you make the celibate woman the only good one. And I mean she's she can talk about sex and she can joke about it. Yeah, but she can't have it. But she yeah, she doesn't do it until yeah. the, the very end. Yeah, that's right. Of the final episode when it's framed again she hasn't really consented to this this is dracula yeah giving her the, the gift of the beautiful death which is a very victorian thing yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's um you know through a, a representation of equality i guess and it's a, mm-hmm. a romantic love making as opposed to the hideous sex yeah. that was represented before um so that's kind of how he kills her and achieves his own death so that's great but that's like mm. so that's the culmination of her kind of arc is okay, you get to die mm. now great. by having sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and after she's been so great through the whole series. Yeah. Should we just talk about the third episode because we clearly yeah, want to. we clearly want to. It's a mess. <laughs> so all of a sudden we're in the – I don't have a problem with this in theory. Right. When I saw, okay, we're in the, we're in the um, modern day, I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Mm. But then it gets all sorts of weird. Okay, yeah. I So I, much like, again, like the rest of the series, I think I enjoyed it overall. I, I had been pr- primed yeah. 
by all of our sort of British gothic yeah, scholars who had already seen it. It's been on it was Twitter. it was quite a Twitter topic. It was this very week. it was very hot topic. So I think I was primed to expect the worst yes. from episode three. And when I watched it, um, I I didn't find it as bad as I had expected. Perhaps that played into it. I'm not sure, but the the time jump was okay. Yeah, and made for some funny moments. I guess. Uh, yeah, I didn't have any problem with the actual concept of the time yeah. jump. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in some ways, I enjoyed aspects of even Lucy's. Mm. characterization in some ways i liked the the whole let's bring in the modern sort of i don't know topic of of instagram and selfies and things like that i just didn't like again in theory great Mm. ideas yeah what they translate to as presented on the screen was yet another punishment Mm -hmm. for women you know in in this case being uh self-absorbed so all she cared about was beauty mm. but also resenting others for finding her beautiful mm. and just wanted uh, I know, this is fine like so she just desired um danger and and death and the vampiric but yeah so, she, so what did, how did you uh, before we get to sort of what happens to her how did you feel about her? i yeah the portrayal of lucy made me a bit ang- made me angry because <laughs> yeah again it just seemed to be another woman who was punished for having a sexuality, for being, you know, all of the things that we associate with women, that mm. they're vain, that they're shallow, yeah. that they're um, only interested in, in their own looks, but only insofar as it gets them things, um, that that women are a kind of, you know, setting traps for men to fall into mm. because of their the way they manipulate their sexuality and yeah. their, their appeal. Yeah, that it's just I don't care, you know, I don't want to watch that sort of stuff anymore. Mm. I feel tired when I think about that. You know, yeah. I'm like, can't you can't you do anything more interesting than this? And yes, mm. in the book Lucy is this character who is much desired and there's, you know, she has those those drug uh, blood transfusions so all the men yeah. have a chance and to sort of sleep yeah. with her by proxy and she wants to she talks about wishing to be able to marry multiple men, men but it's because she doesn't want to have to reject them yeah she's got this sort of free love approach but it's i think while she's human at least mm. in the novel it's meant to be divorced from any um immoral sense of wanton sexuality yeah. the way it becomes when she's a vampire yeah um you know when she's described you know in voluptuous terms of her lips and her writhing and you yeah. know all of that sort of stuff when she's still human and she just has this desire to um love and to satisfy everyone around her and to be taken care of as well i think exactly. yeah i think in some ways translating her into this um, voracious man-eater who's just obsessed with her selfies yeah is a hollow way and i'm just tired of that way of like oh look at modern women all they care about is selfies and how good they look and aren't they silly you know it feels like (laughs) it just feels like we're we're making women in we're turning women into this and then we're mocking them for it you know like don't we don't need to go there anymore. You know, we can do more interesting things. You could have done really interesting things with Lucy as a character, and I felt like they went down the most tiresome path. Yeah. In some ways, it was the the obvious place to go. And, you know, so, I mean, they try to head off criticism from this. She explicitly calls out the Mm. slut-shaming. So there was a nice reference to Queen Victoria there in the original context that her friend makes um, when he says that she'll get a reputation, and she says, thank you, Queen Victoria. And um, they laugh it off and she says, you know, it's called yeah. slut shaming. 
um, I don't think that's enough to mitigate what happens no. to her, which is essentially, so in the end, because she's so obsessed with her becoming this beautiful thing, and when she is undead, she sees her reflection and she can't see how hideously burned she has become yeah. be- from being cremated. Um, and she just repeats, bluffer lady, bluffer lady, which is, you know, beautiful lady. And then when she's finally has one of her ex-lovers reveal to her the truth to her of what she really looks like, and she's essentially she's been punished for it because yeah. she's become this hideous and it's, undead creature. Yeah, that's what I mean when I'm saying like we turned her into this and then we punish, we punish yeah. her for it because like society still expects women to present themselves in certain ways and rewards women for having beauty or being, you know, successfully showing that they're feminine and all of this. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like it's it's going out of its way to be nasty and it's like, okay, well, you put too much emphasis on beauty, now we're going to take your beauty away. Yeah. And I'm like, so you don't... it serves you right almost. Yeah. So, and, then, and then she has to return to the original lover, the true man, yeah. to kill her, to yeah. show mercy and to put her out of her misery by murdering her. Yeah. Which, <laughs> on paper, um, you know, is, is, again, fairly problematic. Yeah, I just felt... I don't know. I was more disappointed. I knew that the series had been controversial because mm. I saw it on Twitter, but I didn't necessarily twig to the fact that it was the third episode that was so controversial. Yeah. Or so divisive, rather. Um, and when I saw the third episode, like when I saw the first two, I was like, okay, I can get why people are upset, but I think it's, you know, there are parts that bother me, but I'm not sure where the real anger is coming from. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the third, I was like, yeah, this is this is weird. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'd, yeah. I think, um, again, it had its funny moments. Um, so Dracula's interaction with technology yes. is kind of cool because it's, it's you know, he adopts it so quickly that they've taken the unexpected route there. It's yeah. not the obvious humour. But that's from, again, from the book because Dracula is very interested in technology. Exactly, in yeah. yeah. Um, so I like the way that he comes in and he's interested in it all. Um you know, <laughs> when he guesses the Wi-Fi password because it's his name. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Um, I, I always... I One thing that carried me through this entire thing is just that performance of Dracula. Yeah. He was just great. Yeah. And the rest sort of fell apart around him, but he was all very... He was always, you know, reliably great. Yeah. Mm. He did a very... He was compelling. Mm. What did you think about the ending of the episode? How they tied it all yeah. together? I don't know about this. So, uh, I mean, in some ways, it was interesting. It was the culmination, I think, of, um, you know, so Sister Agatha, who becomes sort of imbued within Zoe, her descendant in that third episode, the kind of culmination of that scientific interest in figuring Dracula out. Yes. So we get some answers to, I mean, but the answer in the end is essentially that none of it matters. Yeah, which is weird. Which was, it felt a little like a letdown in yeah. a way. Yeah, I was so like, he, so what have we been doing? What have we been doing? So he he gets this moment of transcendence. So he's in the sun, he, and there's a whole lot of, you know, combines all of these sort of symbols that are meant to terrify him. The sun streaming in the window, window yeah. casting the shadow of the cross on his chest, um, you know, and he's there with Zoe, and we've got this dialogue around what's he really afraid of. Yeah, and he's afraid you, of of dying. Yeah, but you know what? I don't want Dracula to have like emotional revelations. <laughs> like, I just don't. You know, okay, fine. You know, if you want to have like some kind of thing about he's afraid of dying, that sort of makes sense. <laughs> um, because you know that's what a vampire's transcended. But if you know they. They can die, but they're sort of, they're immortal, but they can die in their own way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, 
I don't care about his like emotional journey. I don't need Dracula to have an emotional journey. He's yeah. he's Dracula. That's the thing. And I, so what? <laughs> unlike a lot of the other adaptations in which Dracula is very much part of the shadows mm. and he's that thing that haunts from the edges but never quite comes into full view. Um, this centers Dracula. Yeah. Um, and the writers say this. I watched an interview with them at um, Comic Con that they did before the show was aired. Um, and they were saying how they were thinking about ways to make Dracula the hero of his own story. And they mm. found it very hard because traditionally um, villains, and they compared it to Bond villains, mm. are boring if you spend too much time with them. And this is why movies don't. So the Bond films don't spend too much time with the villain because they're just cardboard characters, basically, yeah, that just want to destroy the world. No one yeah. really knows why. And then they try to do it and they get stopped. Yeah. So they said they found it really hard at first to try and write more into Dracula's mm. perspective on the world, his character, what drives him, what human desires drive him. Mm. Um, but they said once they figured that out, they couldn't stop writing him. So he's very verbose in this series. Yeah, he, he has is. a lot to say. He has a lot to he say. He has a lot to say. Um, I think he's accused at one point of liking the sound of his own voice. I think he probably does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in a way, I, I found that really interesting. That's part of the reason, though, that I found the ending a little disappointing mm. again and much like again my approach to the whole series it was both satisfying and a little disappointing mm. um i liked the ending because it did sort of tie it up neatly i liked the way they maintained the equality between dracula and mm. sister agatha slash zoe um but at the same time it didn't answer enough questions for me and it yeah. didn't the, dracula wasn't complex enough for me i wanted to know more of his backstory really i wanted some flashbacks mm. to his experience of becoming a vampire as yeah. well as, you know, we're going to drag him out over three episodes and over more than a hundred years of experience. Shouldn't he have mm. a little more complexity? To yeah, his that is true. As much as I've said I don't want an emotional journey for him, that is true. That's That would be more of a kind of, I don't know, that would sit better with me than what we got. Because <laughs> it's kind of halfway. You either don't yeah. do it or you really do it. Do it, yeah. You know, seeing how he got there to this castle and, you know, where, because presumably he was a human first, right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but, you know, how did he become a vampire and, and what's what his story? And different from everyone else. Yeah, because he does seem to have this power beyond other vampires mm. or, or other undead, undead beings. Yeah. He seems to be, you know, boss man of the undead world. So how, <laughs> how did he get there? And, yeah, I just, that moment of transcendence, I just thought, oh, God. Are we really doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it felt satisfying in the sense that we're like, okay, great. It's being tied off in a neat bow and we're finished. Yes. And so the, the story is, is finished. Pushed. Yeah. Yeah. But I think just it, it invited some questions over the whole yeah. series about, okay, so why didn't we explore this in more detail or that in more detail? Yeah. And um, then and then you're yeah. right. The, the, the ending of the story seemed to be, well, it doesn't matter. And he's dead now. So, <laughs> you know, it was just a bit of... Yeah. And in yeah. a way, I think that's why... Um, so when you compare it again to the, the original novel, which is very much about what drives different characters, mm. because it's about this team. And, and again, Mina, yep. you know, it's about what is how they're feeling and responding to the things that happen around them, the deeply strange events. And, and they all a have while different... to work out what's happening in terms of the vampirism. Yeah. And they all have different kind of strengths and interests. And... Yeah. Um, you so, know, they all, you know, Seward and, and Van Helsing, and yeah. they all have different kind of approaches to it, and that's where you get a lot of the kind of tension. Mm. And here it was just, I don't know, that was missing. Yeah. Yeah, the other characters were reduced so much. 
with um, obviously, I think Sister Agatha was fleshed out fairly well. Yeah, I like. Yeah, she was. She was good. I think it was fairly clear what what drove her, and in some ways, it was clear what what drove Dracula as well. That was explored, just not quite enough for me. Yeah. And again, um, I think it was acted extremely well. Clay Spang did an extremely yeah. beautiful job. I mm. think. And, and I love as well um, that he was able to, um, and, you know, the visual effects kind of did this as well, um, pay homage to the different cinematic adaptations. So we have that yeah. moment in the first yep. episode um, where he's sort of, he's seeing, you know, he's about to bite and he's coming up to the screen and it kind of pauses and it almost, he almost morphs into Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. So that was a really nice moment. I thought that was playful and enjoyable. And you got him as a bat and you got him as a wolf and all of yeah. those kind of classic, you know, Dracula yeah. motifs. And he yeah. says he says some of his famous lines, um, you know, about the children of the night and things mm. like that, although that's in reference to the undead now instead of wolves. Mm. Um, you know, but, so we get some, we get little moments where we're like, okay, great, this is, yeah. this is from the, you know, the mythology that we're used to. But, you know, and it's fine to be translated again. This, like we were yeah. saying in the beginning, this is a, a text that has been adapted and readapted and readapted, yeah. and every one of them is different and adds something new to the mythology. Um, so, I mean, in that broad sense, I would have to say that I really, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I enjoyed the third episode. I found it just sort of, I'd had enough by then, I think. I, <laughs> I, I, I watched them very close together, so mm. by then I was just a bit over it and it sort of lost me when it got a bit weird with Lucy and with the modern day stuff. But I, I really, I have to say, I quite enjoyed the first two episodes, my um, problems with Mina and the sex stuff notwithstanding. Um, I think it's really well shot. Mm. I think it looks great. It's stunning visually. Yeah, yeah, it does. Even though, like, some of the horror stuff we were talking about, the, the flies under the eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, gross. Well, yeah, but, just, yeah that, that's very repellent, isn't it? It's it gross. is repellent. But, but, but it's also not how eyes work. It's just no. so there was that element. <laughs> but I felt like there was enough real scariness to it. Yeah. Um, because it's easy, I think, to be to play up the camp elements of Dracula. And I, yes. there was some campiness to this. Yeah. But, it, but it wasn't like over the top kind of um, ridiculous camp. There was some real yeah. menace. I don't to think it. it took away from the horror, the yeah. genuine horror. And yeah, so I liked that element. And again, it was very much about taking all of these different approaches to gothic horror mm. and working with them all, kind of throwing them all in the basket. Yeah. Um, so they, they brought out that kind of zombie horror, the body horror. The, and yeah. the, the opening credits kind of set the tone here nicely as well with the flies crawling around all of these blood and sinew and tissue, body tissue and things like that. Yeah, and they it did sets like... sets you up for what it's going to focus on, which is that gore element yeah. of the body. Yeah, and it does, you know, some jump scares and, yeah. you know, it does some like moments where you're just on edge because you know something's going to happen but you mm. don't know what um yeah it, it i think it, it ticks a lot of boxes mm. and i wouldn't say i didn't enjoy it but i had quite a few problems with it um as we've talked about mm. so in the end i don't know I, I feel quite ambivalent about it but what <laughs> i enjoyed i what i really enjoyed was dracula himself i think that performance as i said was really spot on yeah and really compelling after he got over his old man stage <laughs> Once he became, yeah, once he became more English and more less old, um, he, yeah, that was charming and funny. and It became less of a caricature then. Yeah. And we were able to sort of see his humanity, you know, yeah. because he's a vampire and he's undead. But he he works on human impulses, and I think that's what makes Dracula so interesting. Yeah, and it makes him compelling, even though, you know, yeah. you know he's evil. You're not on his side precisely, but... 
because he is so kind of compelling. He's seductive in that yeah. way. Not not necessarily in a sort of sexual or sensual way, but he's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's so clever very, and yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, as I said, Sister Agatha. Perfect. She, she was wonderful. Yeah. Which actually, um, when they when she was sort of translated into Zoe, and particularly when Zoe drinks Dracula's blood mm. and thereby imbibes the spirit of, of Agatha. Yeah. What took her so long to do something about Dracula? That was one yes. problem I had. I know she's dying of cancer. But, but she had a good few months, months there. And when when we come back to her, when we're clear mm. that um, Dracula's established himself very conspicuously <laughs> yeah. um, in London, and you know, we come back a few months later to Zoe, and she's doing absolutely nothing. nothing. And yeah. she basically says, it's not my problem. Yeah. Whose problem is it? But also, like... It's so out of step with Agatha. That's that was my issue. And yeah. So to to bring her back to that character, obviously that's when Agatha comes into her dream and she's like, right, yeah, step you've up, got to do what we're going to do. She basically yeah. takes over her body to to the point where when she's interacting with Dracula in those final scenes, he's interacting with her as Agatha, yeah, not as Zoe. Not Zoe. But like, and there's that final line, you know, after all this time, did you think I'd let it hurt? Mm. Something like that. Mm. Um. So and that's addressed specifically to Agatha. Yeah. So but, I, I kind of liked that element, but it was the missing part. I'm like, where's, come on, Zoe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a vampire loose in London. Yeah, like, Do maybe you're going to worry about the fact that he's killing people? <laughs> she seems very unconcerned. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, if I feel like if my ancestor took up, like, residence in my body, I'd be like, what? A little bit right. more? <laughs> Even if you had just drank, um, you know, a bit of Dracula's blood. Yeah. What are you going to do with that information? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just so, continue on with yeah. one's daily life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that would cause a bit more emotional turmoil. In that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have liked, because we basically, we skip from that point forwards in time. time and I would yeah. have liked to see her more of her journey, because we've invested so much in Agatha as a character. Mm. Um, That's so why I would have liked kind of hard to, to see more of Zoe's processing of this, or even experience internally in her mind of what this blood is doing. Yeah, and that's kind of, a, I think, another problem I had with the episodes. Like, all of a sudden, we've got Zoe and not Agatha and I mean yes we do get Agatha through her but mm. I was like I don't care who yeah. is this woman brand, <laughs> yeah brand new, new almost like a new slate except she looks the same yeah the same. and because of so much that was new about that episode I kind of felt a bit I don't know put off or just not at home with where the, the mm. tone of the show because obviously it's a different kind of setting yeah. so yeah it was just a bit too sharp a contrast with me it was like three different yeah. approaches to the one text it was like they tried the same idea different ways so the first one's in the castle it's faithful second mm. one we're going to take the tiniest part of the book it's like five pages on the demeter yeah um and then, and then expanded it into which an is a great episode. idea i have to great say. idea um and then the you know the, but the whole like dracula in modern day which again very much part of the original novel which is translated into our 21st century we're going to cram that into yeah. one episode which perhaps maybe it needed longer maybe it should have been over yeah and I kind of like the idea and I actually think it's a the way that you've sort of outlined that with three different approaches I think that's quite a good idea um to the text in general Mm. I just yeah I I felt like there were varying degrees of success in the way that was sort of executed absolutely Um, and I mean it's a very unwieldy sort of genre at this point it's been again adapted so many times that there is just so much information there are so many ways you can approach it particularly if you're going to start reaching out to other yeah. gothic horror genres and texts, you know, zombies. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, the body horror, the gore element. Like, there's a lot you can do. Mm. And I think perhaps their material got a little bit away from them because maybe yeah. they got a bit 
too excited about the possibilities and all the different ways they could do it. And they tried to do so many of them that they left some holes. Yeah. Particularly around women and yeah. gay I, Yeah, characters. that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, look, I think it must be a very difficult task to adapt a book that is so well-known and so well-adapted. I mean, even if you haven't read Dracula, and I don't know how many people have read Dracula versus how many haven't, but I feel like some most people have seen an, an adaptation of it, yeah. whether that's Junosferatu or even another vampire text, Buffy. You yeah. and I have both been rewatching Buffy recently. <laughs> um, Buffy versus Dracula, best Dracula adaptation <laughs> of, of all time. Um, <laughs> so I feel like it's it's like Frankenstein, right? It's the yeah. obvious analog. It's it's the yeah. kind of text where you have some knowledge of it. So I think it must be very difficult to put your own stamp on it. And I respect what they did, what they tried to do in putting their own stamp on it. Yeah. As I said, execution was spotty. But I think in in the th- Theoretically, yeah, it, it works, and I can see what they're trying to do. As we said, the book is about documentations. It's mm. about you know the old and the new, and the modern and the old, and mm. um, they did that with the translation into the twenty first century and starting in the nineteenth. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, it all makes sense on paper, and I can see why they made all the choices that they have. Yeah, apart from the choices with like Mina and so forth and Lucy, but yeah, it just wasn't perfect. Yeah, I feel very ambivalent. Like I said, it was yeah, it was it was beautiful, it was gorgeously shot and styled. Yeah. It, um, it looks fun, great. Scary in parts, particularly the earlier parts, not so much the later episode. Um, and then I, I think yeah, overall it, it was enjoyable. Only three episodes, not too onerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that critique in there about stories needing to be compelling in order to bother with them, and I felt like that was maybe a comment on the original yeah. novel, which is sort of seen as quite long um, and. And not as exciting as people expect, having seen movie adaptations. Well, I think I think people expect the novel to be what it is in the beginning. Yeah, with the Jonathan Harker and the yes, castle. Exactly. And then I think where people run into problems is that they don't expect that that's like the first, not even a quarter. And yeah. Then the rest <laughs> of the novel is like, let's work out the chain timetables, and yeah. you know, like how is he doing this, and you know, we're investigating and blah blah blah. Mm. Um. So yeah, I think that's where people run into trouble. Mm. But yeah, I think worth watching. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah an interesting overall. I enjoyed it. Yeah, an interesting kind of um, contribution to the the gothic family. Definitely, we can always <laughs> do with more of those. <laughs> you and I are always into more gothic stuff. Huh? Mm. Mm. <laughs> all right, thank you so much, Kirsten, for joining me to talk about Dracula. It is always a pleasure to talk to you about all things spooky. Thank you for having <laughs> me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incapable of saying that word without sounding like spooky. an idiot. Spooky. Uh, new season of, of Sabrina starts very soon. Cannot wait. So we may have to reconvene to discuss. Yes. Mm. Um, although not about vampires, but close enough, demons. Which is all things spooky. all things spooky. We might have to talk about Buffy too one day soon. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, midway through this podcast, I was like, yeah, yeah let's we'll talk about Buffy, Buffy chat. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll have a Buffy chat. Sorry, we're just organising our lives live on <laughs> the microphone here. Um, so thank you once again, Kirsten. My pleasure. This has been another episode from the Lighthouse. If you could rate and, and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be really super super helpful. If you want to um, drop us a line, you can drop us a line at fromthelighthouse.org and tell us about what you thought about Dracula, or you can um, tweet us at MQ English. Um, and tell us what you thought, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye.